Welcome to the Destiny Church 217 podcast, where we share the sermon of the week from Destiny Church. After the message, check out the show notes for links and more information on how to get connected with Destiny. Let's get into the message. We're talking about the journey of worship today. Um, it's one thing for mom and dad to say, hey, we're going to Disney World. Look at the brochures. Isn't it beautiful? And you go, oh, yeah, look at the Space Mountain and all the fun stuff that's there and, and the rides and the characters and, and, and all the stuff. I mean, that's wonderful. But then comes, well, let's get in the station wagon, kids. And for the next, well, I don't know, 27 days, you're driving to Florida, it seems like, when you're a kid, right? Right? Anything longer than an hour seems like a day when you're a kid. And brutal, brutal. It seems to be like it takes forever to get there. But you have this idea like when we get there, it's going to be amazing. Well, with that analogy, last week we talked about Disney World. We talked about how awesome it is, how wonderful it is. Well, today I'm going to take you on the journey. I'm going to put you all in the minivan. And we're going to stop. Like along the way, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna, we're gonna have a pathway to the Holy of Holies, and in that, I hope you uh, get some information. Now, I don't know, uh, Becky, did people get these when they came in this morning? A Becky House. I'm looking at you, Rebecca. Did people get these when they came in this morning? Okay, if you didn't get one of these, you can raise your hand, and someone who's on it will bring you one, all right? There goes Jeremy. Are you done crying, Jeremy? You good? Okay, good. <laughs> He's such a tender heart, isn't he? All right. So here we go. We'll enter his gates with thanksgiving. Psalm 100 verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. So we are headed into the Holy of Holies. So we do have this as a slide as well. We can put that up there. um, And that's really small. That's why I printed this out. So if you need one, keep your hand up. Jeremy, have somebody help you so we can expedite the process. There we go. All right. Very good. So uh, let's just rehearse here for a second um, what, what we have. On, as you're looking at this, on the right-hand side, you see the arrow, you see the red line. That's the gate. That's the curtain. That's how we're going to get into the main, uh, the main area that is the outer court and then the inner court, and then the Holy of Holies. So the white line is a tent, and all the specifications of all the coverings, and how the tent was made, and how the stakes are made, and all, how they're laid out, and all of those things. There's still some hands up down here, guys. And uh, so you're going to enter from the east. So the front door of the temple, of the tabernacle, the wilderness tabernacle, faces the east. So when the sun comes up, bam, the front door gets lit up. And the 12 tribes, I don't know if you realize this or not, but there's a specific order that the 12 tribes were stationed around the tabernacle. There would be three tribes on the north, three tribes on the west, three tribes on the south, and then three tribes on the east. Of the three tribes that are on the east, the center tribe, the tribe that gets the front row seat, the one that's dead smack dab in front of the door, is called Judah. And the word Judah means praise. I think it's interesting that you have to to go to the tribe of praise. You go right to the the east gate to get into the temple or into the tabernacle. And I'm going to use those words intermixed, but here we are talking about the tabernacle. This is Moses' tabernacle. But when when Moses, uh, excuse me, when Solomon took over, 
for David and he decided to build the temple. That's the big white marble with gold and all of that. We have lots of gold here too. All of that stuff on the inside is gold primarily. Um, so they're the same pattern, but Solomon, of course, took it to a whole nother level. So this is the, the wilderness tabernacle. And so you come through that gate. And by the way, it's the only way in. And when you get there, the very first thing you see, you're not going to go any further until you see this big bronze uh, altar of burnt sacrifice. And that's where you're going to have your animal cut up and you're going to offer this sacrifice to the Lord. It's going to cost you something to go any further. And some people, well, what, what do I have to, well, all I have to offer is brokenness and strife. Well, then give him brokenness and strife. But he'll make something beautiful out of your life, right? So uh, you come in, you come through the gate with thanksgiving, and now we're in this area where it's called the outer court. And uh, there is the bronze uh, altar, and then you're going to see a laver, L-A-V-E-R. It means basin. The word means a basin. Um, in fact, in some liturgical churches, they call the baptismal font the laver. I don't know if anybody is from like old, old school. Anybody else? Laver, the laver that's in the chancel. Not the narthex, the chancel. Yeah, well, anyway, that's where we wash up. That's where we clean ourselves up after we make this sacrifice. This is all happening in the outer court area. Well, then now there's another curtain to go through. And when you go through that curtain, you end up in what's called the holy place. And there's three, three elements, let's call them four. There's three things primarily in there that you're going to encounter. When you walk in, on your left-hand side is a menorah. Menorah is a Hebrew word that means lampstand. It's interchangeable. You can say menorah, you can say lamp. It's the same word, right? So it's just interchangeable. But it's a seven, it's a seven-sticked menorah. And we talk about the seven spirits of God. You see those in Isaiah. You see them in Revelation. We're not here to unpack all of that uh, in that detail, but I'm giving you the lay of the land as we are about to load up into the minivan and we're going to journey into the Holy of Holies, these are the little stops along the way. We're going to be in Valdosta, Georgia. We're going to stop in Cairo, Illinois. We're going to stop in Atlanta. And these are our stops along the way, right? So that's on your left. Then if you turn and look at your right, you're going to have this small table. Of course, all this stuff is overladen in gold. And there on that table, you're going to have 12 loaves of bread representing the 12 tribes. That bread got changed out every week and only the priests could eat it. All right? And then directly in front of you, you're going to find another altar. But this altar is different than the altar. You're not making a sacrifice of an animal like you did in the outer court. Now you're in the inner court. And this fire must continually burn. It must never go out. And the coals that burn the incense are the coals that come from the, the bronze, labor, the bronze uh, altar out in the outer court. They bring those coals in, and that's how they're going to keep the, the incense burning. And the incense represents our prayers. We'll get into that in a little bit. I'm just giving you the, I'm just giving you the aerial view. That's the in, that's the inner court. Then you move, that's the holy place. Now you're going to move to the holy of holies. And in the holy of holies, there's only one, well, you're going to go through the veil. We'll talk about that. And then you go into the holy of holies, and that's where the ark of the covenant is. And in there was uh, the Ten Commandments, the rod of Aaron that had budded, the almond uh, bud, and the uh, jar of manna. And that, that, what I've just explained to you, is such so rich in typology 
um, that we could spend weeks and weeks and weeks on that. Um, let me give you, now if that's hard for you to imagine, I have about a 90 second video, which is an animation of a fly through of this to kind of give you scale. So let's go ahead and run that video so you can see a little more tactily what it is uh, that we're gonna be talking about. the entrance. That's just some tents outside. Now you're going to go through the east gate. Come in from the east. There's the bronze altar. You see rings on the side because it had to be mobile. It had to be carried. Horns on the altar. There's the basin of water, the laver. Made of copper. Portable. There's the entrance into the holy place. So now you're going to go. Oh, they're going to put the covers over. One of the one of the layers is badger skin. I mean, when you get down into the nitty gritty, it's just wonderful. All the typology that's there. Okay. So now the holy place and the holy of holies is covered. Now we are in the holy place. On your left, right there, that's the menorah, the lampstand on your left-hand side. See the walls? The walls are even covered with gold. Everything is covered with gold. The lampstand, the altar of incense, a smaller version of what's outside, but there only incense is burnt. And then the veil. The veil then will take you into the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant is kept. That's the presence of God, the mercy seat. And that's hopefully something that helps you get your mind around what we're going to be talking about. Are you ready? Yes. Okay, everybody in the van? Seatbelts on? Because we're going to move fast? Right? I'm driving. That means we're going to move fast. All right? John 10, 9. Jesus said, I am the gate. Whoever enters the gate, whoever enters through me, that gate will be saved. That's what I told my, my cousin last night. There's only one way to get this done, and that's through Jesus. Right? So... Um, one way in. Doors and gates, very important in, in the Bible. In Psalm 24, the scripture says, lift up your heads, O you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory might come in. When you lift up your head in worship, man, when you, I don't care how bad your week is, when you come in the time of worship, man, I'm holding my head high. Regardless of what happened last week. You know, I, I, I say I broke my finger. Some people are trying to poo-poo my broken finger and saying I only jammed it. In my world, it hurts just as bad. It's broken. At the baseball game last Sunday afternoon, even though my wife told me not to play, I still played. And because she doesn't like me to play, I played even harder. And in that, I broke my finger. But I'm going to come in here and praise the Lord. Strum, strum that guitar as hard as I ever do. A little bit of pain, but praise the Lord, oh my soul. Praise the Lord. Lift your vision higher. When you come into this place to worship, lift your vision. Psalm 43, verse 5. Why are you downcast, oh my soul? Why are you disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. He's not only prepared a way, now watch this, he not only prepared a way for us to worship, he has given us this, this tabernacle, the temple, a model, 
if you, uh, what's the story where the little girl dropped breadcrumbs? What was that story? Is that Hansel and Gretel? Yeah, Hansel and Gretel. It didn't end well for them, by the way. Uh, uh, they dropped breadcrumbs so they could find their way back. This is what God has done for us. And, the, and, and, and uh, all right, so that, that's enough of all that. We're just going to have to move along. So we enter through the gates with praise, and then we find ourselves in this place called the outer court. And there we find two things. Number one, we find this brazen, this brass altar where sacrifices were burned and offering to the Lord. Now, every one of these is a type, and I may or may not be able to, to, to talk to us about all of them, but there's, an applic- there's not only the actual thing, what it was, but the Bible makes it very clear this is a type for us. And so there's Jesus all the way through this. If you're ever wondering what the Bible is about, even the Old Testament is about Jesus. So, so we come through this and there's application as to who and what Jesus is and did for us and then also for us. So Jesus came, came to be a sacrifice for us. Amen? Amen. For you and for me. But for you and for... That's what he did for you and for me. When we come into his presence to worship, we will enter his gates with thanksgiving. I'm entering the gates with thanksgiving and praise. And the first thing, er, hold up, wait a minute. First thing, why do they take an offering every week? It's part of the sacrifice of praise. So it's just a little bit of heart attitude. Well, you say, for, for you, that's money. For them, it was money. I mean, you would give animals as dowry. Right? So, so this is their livelihood. And if, if they didn't, even if they didn't have it, they would go out and they'd say, listen, I'll have to go buy a sheep. I'll go have to buy a goat or whatever. And that's one of the reasons Jesus had flipped some tables over. Can I, I'll just say that. In the, in the New Testament, Jesus went into the temple, the, the bigger, grander temple, and he saw this all going on. People needed to come in from all over for Passover, celebrate the, pass- the, the death angel passing over their house. They couldn't carry a sheep all the way from wherever, northern Africa or wherever they would come from. So they would just bring some money to buy an animal there in Jerusalem. But those sneaky Pharisees, those sneaky Sadducees, they wouldn't take just normal money. You had to have Pharisee money. So then you had to change your money from whatever you normally had into temple money. And then, of course, they jacked the price up exorbitantly. And that's what Jesus had a major problem with, the money changers. See what I mean? They're ripping the people off. All right, so I digress. So here we go. We're entering in. We're going to give this sacrifice. We're going to make a sacrifice. Hebrews 13, remember last week, the fruit of our lips. The fruit of our lips giving praise. The broken and contrite spirit, Psalm 51, verse 17. All of these things happen when we come through, we're praising God, we're worshiping God, hallelujah. You notice most of the time, the majority of the time when we start off a worship service, it's a praise, it's a praise and worship service. We come in and we shout to God, we say, God, you are so good, you are so awesome. And by the way, worship should be about God, not about you. If you run into worship and praise songs that have me, the word me in them a lot, it's a subtle, it's a subtle turn in our ecclesiology in our way the church is done in these days if I can make it more about you you feel better about you but hello this is not about you this is all about God this morning 
right? So we come in, and yeah, we may have had some really good things happen, some really bad things happen, but I'm gonna take my eyes off of myself, this, this, this introspective woe is me, and I'm gonna lift up my head, and I'm gonna say, God is good, and I'm gonna speak to my soul, and I'm gonna praise his name, I'm gonna praise him. I'm gonna praise, I'm gonna get a shout out. I don't feel like shouting. Tough, nobody said, if you feel like shouting, shout. It just says, shout unto the Lord. And what that takes is an act of your will, I will bless the Lord, oh my soul, and everything that's with my will, my mind, my will, and I will do this even though I don't feel like doing it. Hand to heaven, sometimes I might wake up on any given Tuesday or Thursday and think to myself, I don't feel married. What does it mean to feel? Cheryl and I are doing a devotion right now by C.S. Lewis. They're talking a lot about marriage and feeling. I mean, I feel, I mean, I feel like I'm in love. I mean, I feel married, but I am. I am. And if I act on the fact that I don't think that I am, I'm going to hear about it, right? I'm married 24-7. You worship the Lord 24-7, whether you feel like it or not. Okay. So you make this sacrifice, whatever that is, to the Lord, the fruit of your lips, your broken, contrite heart, our offering, finances, etc. And then the labor is the next thing. I've already told you it means basin or bowl. The labor was huge, filled with water. Why? It's, you got to wash up after you cut that sacrifice, after you cut, after you get that blood all over you. For Jesus, remember, we're going to make application for Jesus and for us. For Jesus, his washing was what? Water baptism. He identified with us. For you and for me, it's a time of worship where we're reminded that it's the blood of Jesus that washes up, makes us pure. And the spirit moves us closer to the goal, which is the Holy of Holies, which is Disneyland for us. That's where we're going. We're moving through. So we've made our sacrifice, and now there's a, there's a moment in your worship, I'm going to emphasize that you need to be reminded the only reason you're even doing this is not because of your good works. It's because of the blood of Jesus. If it wasn't for his grace, he would zap you like a June bug on a hot summer night in that little blue light in your backyard where they fly in, they go, like that. That's what we deserve. Because we're a wretch, we're a worm, we're undone, we're lost, we're broken, we're disgusted. Contrary to popular opinion, which is I'm okay, you're okay, and you should live your best life, and you're awesome. Yes, you're awesome because Jesus is on you and Jesus is in you, but if you don't start with the pretext that you are lost and you are a sinner and you need Jesus, and it's only the blood of Jesus that makes it possible for you to go from point A, Springfield, Illinois, all the way down to Florida and get through this process. If you neglect the washing with the blood of Jesus Christ in your life, it's just, it's just form without power because there's power, wonder-working power in the blood, in the precious blood of the lamb. It was because of his sacrifice we can even do what we do. All of my words are hollow without the blood of Christ on them. It is only the anointing of Jesus Christ that makes the difference. The power to break the yoke is found. The life is in the blood. Romans 5, 9, and this is for those of you that are going to listen by podcast and those of you going to probably try to write these down because I don't have time to give them all to you. But this is the power of the blood. Romans 5, 9, Ephesians 1, 7, Ephesians 2, 13, Colossians 1, 20, 1 Peter 1, 19, Hebrews 9, 14. Do you get it? It's on and on and on and on. Hebrews 9, 22. In fact, it says the law requires that everything be cleansed with blood and without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness you cannot you stop you do not pass go unless there is the shedding of blood 
in your life and your journey to worship God. Your worship is hollow. You're most likely worshiping yourself or the emotion oftentimes attached to worship. 1 John 1, 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus purifies us from all sin. Okay, we've entered the gates. We're in this outer court. We've seen the bronze altar. We've cleansed ourselves with the blood and now we're ready to go in to the holy place. Not yet to the holy of holies, just the holy place. There on our left is the candlestick, the menorah. Seven branches, and it's fueled by oil. Could have been wax, but wax candles, and I've done some extensive research, they're not, just not going to last as long. These, these were tended to twice a day. A good candle may last, what, an hour, a couple hours, whatever. Right, so these were oil. So I want you to get out of your mind that, they, that there was a candle, that was a wax candle. It was a lamp, listen, a lamp stand, meaning that these seven, these seven tops on top of them had an oil lamp and they were filled with, you're so smart, oil lamps are filled with oil, yes. And then the wick, I should have brought one in and maybe I'll bring it in next week, I have one. Uh, those wicks are to be trimmed and it happens in the morning and the evening. It speaks of our need for the oil of the Holy Spirit because once we go into the holy place, there's no more external light. Out there, there was light where we were sacrificing in the blood and the water and all of that. But now we're in this place that's only illuminated by the light that's given by the oil of the Holy Spirit. John 4, 23. Yet at a time is coming and now will come when true worshipers will worship the Father in the oil of the Spirit, in the Spirit and in truth. How do you worship in spirit? It always begins in the flesh. Let's just, let me just disarm you. Let me just totally put you at ease. Worship always starts in the flesh. How do I know? Because my alarm clock went off this morning and I didn't want to get up. But I said, I'm going to get up. I have things to do. This worship service started. You may not have felt like worshiping. You say, this is the time to worship. So I may not feel like it. So in the flesh, you stand up. Now you can have a bad attitude about that. You can hit the snooze and leave the same way you came in. That's up to you. But doggone it, we're gonna have worship in spirit even if you don't come along for the ride. We're gonna give you that opportunity. So how does that happen? Well, it starts in the flesh. And you say, okay, all right, here we go. Eric's up there, Keith's up there. We're all singing, praising the Lord. All right, we're gonna praise the Lord. And then we start praising the Lord. And then all of a sudden, if you choose to, you begin to box out thoughts and people and things and now your attention remember we talked about last week looking at things that are blue if you're looking for blue things you find blue things now we're going to start looking for God we're going to start looking for God in this worship and so whether you close your eyes and there's nothing about closing your eyes in the Bible a lot of people like closing their eyes because it eliminates distraction I don't get I don't have to look at things Right? And I'm, so I'm closing my eyes. Why do I lift my hands? Because the Bible says I should lift my hands. Why do I shout? Because the Bible says I should shout. Why does it say I should stand up? Because the Bible says we stand and worship. All those things, remember our FAQ, our frequently asked questions. Do we put that, do we still have that the, the FAQ somewhere? 
Aaron's scrambling now because I did not put it in this week. He'll find it for us. But this is a QR code where you can go to that FAQ page. About a hundred and a couple hundred of you went there last week, which was great. And those answer all the questions about worship, why we do what we do in worship. And every one of them is answered, not because I'm giving the answer. I answer every question with a scripture reference. So if you have not bookmarked this web address, just take, a, take out your camera, hold it up there, and then push that and you'll find the FAQ page or just go to the web, website. Okay? Yes? Yeah. All right. So, we will worship him in spirit and in truth. God is looking for worshipers. If God was walking down the street, example, God is walking down the street. There's this house over there. There's nasty, crazy stuff happening in that house. Nasty, crazy stuff happening in that house. That music's coming out of that house. These attitudes are coming out. And then he comes, and over on this side of the street, there's your house, and there's praise and worship music going on, and you're praying for your kids. Now, I think God goes like this. Hmm, I think I'm welcome here. I'm going to go set up shop over here. I'm going to see if they need anything because they love me and they honor me, not just for 90 minutes on a Sunday morning, right? Right? He makes habitation with those who worship him. That's what we're after. He's looking for people who will worship him in spirit and in truth. So now, this menorah, he's the light of the world, John 8, 12. And he said, when Jesus spoke again to people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but have the truth of life, right? And then in Matthew 5, 14, do we have 5.14? I don't know if I put 5.14 in there. But in 5.14, Jesus looks at you and says, you are the light of the world. Wait a second. I thought he said he was the light of the world. No, you are the light of the world. Because this oil needs to be added to your life. Every day. I don't know where you're at in your devotional life, or your Bible reading, or your prayer life. Whatever it is, let me just encourage you, go a little longer. Do a little more. Whatever you're, wherever you're at. I'm not here to say five minutes a day, 10 minutes a day, 15 minutes. What is that? That's just making rules. And, and I'm an anti-rule guy, right? What I, the only rule is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind. Can you just go for it? Can you just stay with me a little bit longer? Whatever that is. Well, you're gonna be, you're gonna be so heavenly minded. You're no earthly good. You ever heard that tripe? You know what? <laughs> I'll tell you what tripe is. That's tripe. You're so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. Well, I think perhaps the most heavenly minded person ever to walk the face of the earth was Jesus. And he did a lot of earthly good. So don't worry about being a fanatic. You come here, they already think you are one. So you may as well get the benefit of going after God. And worshiping him in spirit. So here you are, you're worshiping in spirit. I didn't ever really finish this idea. You're worshiping in spirit, you're blocking everything out. And then all of a sudden, you come to this place and you say, gosh, my heart, I feel like I've made this connection to heaven. I feel my emotions in my heart. And by faith, I say, now I am worshiping you in spirit and in truth. You don't need the worship leader anymore. You don't care what color the lights are anymore. You know that your kid's doing okay back in children's church. And yeah, you may have hurt yourself last week, and they may have, but all of a sudden that, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim. Where? In the light of his glory and grace. When you come into his presence. And the beauty of that type of worship for those that lead worship is when, is when 
a simple majority of us, when 51% of us step over and begin to worship in spirit and truth, there's a new dynamic. It's like, it's like the northern lights. It's like the aurora borealis above the, 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 the Arctic Circle. All of a sudden, in the spirit realm, it just begins to, something happens. I, and, I, and I'm using language only to help bring you to a place of understanding. I, I, these are just words that I can try to attach meaning to as I explain to you what happens in my own spirit where these things just all of a sudden just light up in the spirit realm. And you go, man, I could be here a while. I don't mind being here. I, I, I'm not con so concerned about what's happening this afternoon. Yeah, it's still gonna happen. I still got my problems at job and blah, blah, blah. But right now, this is the most important thing when you worship like that. And I'll tell you, that's the dynamic we're after. That's the dynamic we're after. Matthew 25, 6. At midnight, the cry came out. Here's the bridegroom, come and meet him. And what happened in this story? Only half of them had the oil. You may have the lampstand and you may be, you've got the, and you've got the wick and you're all prepared and you're in the, but if you don't have the oil, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, what does it look like to have the Holy Spirit? I mean, talking about the Spirit of God living in you. Whew. You're going to come up short. Without the Holy Spirit, I'm going to tell you this. When you worship in spirit, you can't worship in spirit without the spirit. Is that the easier way to say it? It says you worship in spirit and truth. You can't worship. Am I talking about talking in tongues? I'm talking about singing in tongues? No, I'm talking about the power. I got a little graphic last week, and, I, and, I, and, I, and if you were here, you understand. When I talked about the feeling I get of intense warring when the power, the dunamis, because you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Uh, I know every Christian that's really powerful is meek. Those words are not counterintuitive. I'm talking about gentle in spirit, meek and gentle in spirit. But when the spirit of God comes on you, you say, Saul, I don't need armor. Just give me a handful of rocks. I'm going to go take that devil's head off. You hear me? You hear me, devil? I'm going to cut your head off and I'm going to feed it to the birds. That's what David prophesied before he ever went down in the valley. You come against me with a javelin, I come against you in the name of the Lord. See, right now, right now, that spirit on me, I would, they're not, whoo, 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 whoo. all right, we got to go. So we're in the inner court. Uh, a couple more things. On your right is the table of showbread, a symbol of God's provision, one loaf for each of the 12 tribes. The, the reference we can share with you is Leviticus 24, 5 through 9. I'm not going to take time uh, to uh, read all that. But the bread, we know the bread is the word of God, right? Jesus is the bread of life. And in fact, you take all the seven I am's of Jesus. I am the gate. I am the bread. I am the light. What's he doing? He's walking through the tabernacle. He's going, I'm that. I'm that. I'm. That's what I'm trying to show you. It's the word. And who got to eat that bread? The priest, that's you and me. We have to eat the word. Like right now. Well, this isn't worship. Yes, this is worship right now. You're eating the word. By the way, Jesus, who is the bread of life, was born in a town of Bethlehem, which means house of bread. Bait Lachem means house of bread. The very name of the town he was born in says there's good bread here. So you're in the inner court. You feast on Jesus. We're reminded that he cares for us. He strengthens us as we feast on the word. And the, 
The last thing we see is the altar. Well, I thought we were just at an altar. Yeah, we were out here, we made a sacrifice, but now we're gonna take some time and pray. I don't know about you, but the la- prayer today at nine o'clock, last week was communion, we- week before that was prayer. Jeremy's killing it. I'm guaranteeing you this, the fastest half an hour of your life, fastest half an hour of the week if you come for prayer, just rockets by. Things we pray for, how we pray, your prayer requests, praise reports, bam, 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 bam. We finish up with the Lord's prayer on 30 minutes on the dot. Man, it is powerful. What does that do? Man, it brings me to a place of worship. I'm making sure I, I hit all these elements every, every time I want to worship him. And in a, in a church service, like right now, we're going to pray. Prayer in the Bible is represented by incense. In Revelation chapter five, I got all these verses, but verses six through nine, especially verse eight, and when they had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each of them had a harp and they had a bowl and the bowl that they were holding was full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. So when the, when the priest in a Catholic church, there's symbolism there, when the key priest in the Catholic church has a censer, which is where incense comes out of, and he's wagging that thing around. That's representative, supposed to represent the prayers of the saints. So we pray. Notice, this is the last thing you gotta do before you go into his presence. I mean, these, these priests were scared spitless. They only went in once a year. They had little bells on the, they had little bells sewn to the bottom of their tunic so that once they went inside, and a rope around their ankle, that once they went inside, if they were to fall dead because of the presence of God, the people outside would know it because they wouldn't hear the little tinkling of the bells anymore. They could take the rope and pull them out without going in and dying themselves. This is serious stuff. Going into his presence. So, to get there, we have to go through a veil. Uh, the Talmud, uh, T-A-L-M-U-D, I believe, um, the Talmud will talk about Jewish tradition and explanation, expansion of scripture. Even to this day, you can go to the Talmud and you can see that tradition says the thickness of the veil. And you think, oh, it was a bed sheet. Oh, it was like a, a beach towel. Or it was thicker. No, it was as thick as a man's hand, four inches. That's how thick it was. In the tabernacle, it says in the Talmud, it took 300 priests to lift it. It was so heavy. This is a major deal. And that's the veil that tore. How in the world, it says in the Talmud, that two chariots of horses going opposites of directions could not tear it. This is in a Jewish book. That two, two chariots of horses going opposite directions. This thing was so thick, you could not tear it. Yet when Jesus died, it tore. Top to bottom. Not bottom to top, like there was two guys down there. Let's, let's slit it and pull it. No, it came ripped from the top to the bottom saying, come on in. Come on in. We don't have a division anymore. You can come right on in. You're a priest. Praise the Lord. So, Matthew 27, and when Jesus cried out in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. In that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn from top to bottom. Hebrews 10, 19, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter now into the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the blood, by the blood, by how do we get in there? By the blood, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is, his body. The curtain represented his body torn for you. See? 
So we have an outer court, we have an inner court, the holy place, and now we go through this torn curtain and we have the Ark of the Covenant and the Holy of Holies. I have a few pictures for you if you're unfamiliar. We'll take a look at these. I think I have four. All right. Now remember, the Ark is the box, the mercy seat is the lid, and then you have two angels, cherubim, on top of there, which, incidentally, here's a side note. So you have these warring angels, right? These warring angels, you have the presence of God, and you have this seat that God sits on. The mer- he, no, I love the fact that he sits on a mercy seat, not a judgment seat. Aren't you thankful for that? And that this, although this is a very beautiful picture, I think that after maybe 300 years, 400 years, year in, year out, every year, priest going in and splashing blood on that mercy seat, it didn't look quite that pretty on the lid. I don't know. But there is this barrier between the justice and the vengeance of God called a mercy seat where the Lord sits and intercedes for you and me. Next slide. Carried like this, of course, with rings, all covered in gold. Here's a cross section of the tabernacle, the next picture. So moving right to left, you've come from the outer court. Now you see the menorah, you see the table of bread. The priest is standing right in front of the altar of incense. Then you see the curtain, and then behind the curtain is the Ark of the Covenant. This is perhaps my favorite picture, the last one. Here's this priest about ready to go in, thinking, oh boy, oh boy. You gotta make sure you got your stuff together when you go in and meet the Lord, you know what I'm saying? This is why a lot of people don't, don't wanna go in to see the Lord. I'm okay out here. I'll make my sacrifice. I'll sing and I'll jump and I'll pray and it'll be great and I'll give my offering. It'll be all good. And all the while, the Lord's in here going, man, I wish they'd, I wish they'd come in here. But all you've heard about, like my cousin for 70 years, he's angry at you. He's gonna zap you. He's gonna kill you. You don't deserve mercy. You deserve to be put in prison. You deserve to be, you deserve to be beaten like a rented mule. If that's all you've heard about God and you haven't heard about his grace, you're going to stay out there. Corporately, during worship, you're going to stay out here. You will give, you will give homage. You will a tip of the hat to, yes, I'm coming into worship. But it's a worship service where we serve the Lord. And when we do that, we go into his presence. And what do we do when we're in there? Nothing. What do we do when we get in there? Nothing. Well, out there, there was an activity. Out there, there was an activity. Out there, there was an activity. And we did all these things, and it, was, it gave me purpose in doing, doing worship. But I'll tell you what, especially you guys, and I am one. Last I checked, I haven't changed my... You know, <laughs> don't get me started. I have been one. I will always be one, right? Is, look at this, guys, emotions, right? This little, little, this little emo, emotional wheel thing that we got a couple weeks ago in our, uh, in our Tell Me About Your Feelings conference, which I, you know, that's not me. I'm just telling you that. But it has been me. We've done it every single night for two weeks. And I'm very much in touch with my emotions. Much more in touch with my emotions. I'm, I'm very happy to say that. So, but... It's because when you go into the Holy of Holies, when you go in there, I'll say it like this. If I say, hey, we're going on a missions trip, we're going to build some houses, we're going to tear out some concrete, we're going to do, 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 
Every guy goes, oh, man, I'm going to go do that. I get to do something. At the end of the day, I go, ta-da, look what I did. When I leave that mission trip, look what I built. I say, we're going to go. We're going to love on kids. We're just going to have, we're going to have sidewalk ministry. We're going to brush little kids' hairs. We're going to give them baths. We're going to wash their feet. I get all the ladies. There's not one guy, I'm not going to brush them. I'm not washing them. I'm not doing that stuff. That's just too, too, too whatever. I'm just telling you, I've done this for 35 years. I know how this works. So there's something for men to be able to go into a place where there's nothing for you to do except to be with someone and have them look at you and you look at them. I mean, you don't have to say anything. I think when I'm in the Holy of Holies, is there's just so little talking there. In, in my world, when I go into the Holy of Holies, and I'm speaking metaphorically, there's just not a lot of conversation there because I've got nothing to tell him. Why? Because I've been on this journey. I stopped. I was in the minivan, and I took this journey, and I've already prayed. I made my sacrifice. I told him, man, I'm screwed up, but thank you for the blood. And here I am. Yes, I'm eating your word. Your oil is upon me. The light of the Spirit of God, the oil of heaven is on me, and I'm praying. And now I go in. I got nothing to say. Just wash over me. Bring your healing balm to my weathered spirit to heal the hurt and the pain and to express to you, God, you know, you are so awesome that I don't even know why you did what you did, but I'm so thankful I can be here with you on a seat called mercy that God, through Jesus, see, it says when Jesus died that God poured out his wrath on Jesus. God poured out his wrath on Jesus. It was done. He's got no more wrath. He's got no more wrath. It was poured out on Jesus. He emptied himself. So now what he has for you, of course, all of these other things bring us through repentance, bring us through all of that. You just, you just don't walk into the Holy of Holies and go, here I am, God, I'm the gift. You, I'm awesome. That's not really, we'll be dragging you out by the rope around your ankles, what we'll be doing, right? The bells will stop ringing and the bell tolls for thee. Boom, out you come. It was a serious thing to go into the presence of God. And you know, I'll just tell you this, as a worship leader, sometimes, if the worship team wants to come on back, we're gonna, we're gonna close out with some worship. I'm gonna tell you this, this is gonna be important for you to know. Sometimes, please, please listen, I know there's movement and you wanna watch them, but I want you to get this point. Sometimes an intimate worship, and by that I mean, we've, we've done the process, and now we're just, gonna, we're just gonna be in his presence. And if you go into the Holy of Holies, great. Be there, hang out with him. Let him minister, pour in the oil and the wine and, and, and just satisfy your heart and your soul. And so we're singing a song or whatever. And, and we're not trying to be obtrusive, but we'll be doing a worship song. And we get done. And a, a typical American response to the most intimate of worship is, because I don't know what else to do clapping at the end of a very intimate worship song, it may be appropriate for one or two of you because of where you're at in the spirit. But it's indicative of someone that wants to do something and you don't have to do anything. You don't have, listen, Sabbath, are you guys close? Sabbath, what is Sabbath? Sabbath is that day of rest. 
What does it mean? You're commanded to do nothing and that pleases God. When you do nothing, it pleases him. So when you go into this place called the Holy of Holies, it's not your performance, it's not my performance, it's just you and him. And he gets to look you over and heal this and heal that, pick up like Malchus's ear and reattach it, take all the broken parts, all the hurts, all the fears, and say, there, there, my child, right? As we conclude this podcast, we want to take a moment to say thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please consider subscribing to receive our weekly podcast on your device. Check out the show notes for links to our website, more information about this message, or to support our ministry. You've been listening to the Destiny Church 217 Podcast, your place for real, relevant relationships.